Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time background actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for tuning in. This episode is primarily about being featured, which is when a scene clearly shows you the background actor, and you may actually be interacting with a real actor. It's quite different from normal background work where you're literally in the background and may be impossible to spot in the finished product. A featured background actor is clear as day. It requires more skill and discipline since you've been chosen to help make the scene what it is. And that means listening very closely to what the director wants you to do and doing it well enough to make them happy. And that's a great feeling. I think I've technically been featured only once, this past week on The First Lady as a White House usher for Betty Ford. I also cover getting feedback as a featured actor, the complexities of fake rain, the danger of having an old car driven toward you, working with stunt people, the boredom of not getting used, the danger of working two consecutive days on one or more projects, not so rapid COVID tests, and the ups and downs of back-to-back availability inquiries and last-minute cancellations by either you or the casting companies. You never know what's actually going to happen until it actually happens. I've also included my first-ever podcast voicemail from a listener and me reading the first review that someone posted about the background scoop on Apple Podcasts. I'll get started after the break. Today is Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Uh, My schedule is getting a bit busy. I just got kind of an emergency call or text, if you will, as I've mentioned before. This one from Casting TaylorMade. They've been trying to fill these FLOTUS, which stands for First Lady of the United States, uh, gigs for probably four or five days now. And they keep saying in their description, fresh faces only. Well, fresh faces only means they don't want people who have already been on the show. And I've already been on the show. It was basically in the middle of March I filmed. So I guess what happened was they weren't getting enough responses. They didn't have enough people. So finally this morning they sent out another one and the fresh faces only description was gone. So I applied and they reached out. And at 12.30 p.m., They basically said, you need to get over to Covington and get a COVID test before two o'clock. So I had to rush out and do that. So I'm booked for that this Saturday, the 17th. And then next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I'm doing Powerpuff. So that should be interesting. I I must be an idiot because I used to watch or at least knew of the Powerpuff Girls back in the early 2000s when the show ran. Uh, But it did not occur to me that somebody decided to make a real life movie out of the characters in other words, not a cartoon, with women in their early 20s, I guess. And then in the middle of May, I'm doing something crazy that I can't talk about until it's over. So that's my story. But anyway, I got a really great voicemail from somebody today um, who listened to my podcast. And the title of the voicemail was Stephanie from Naomi. And of course, I thought, oh my God, somebody who works on Naomi heard my podcast and they're reaching out to yell at me for disclosing information that I wasn't supposed to because of the NDA. But dumb me, it was Stephanie, the waitress character that I met. She left a really sweet uh, voicemail for my podcast that I'm going to include here just so you can hear what she said. Enjoy.
Hi, DJ. It was such a pleasure to work with you on my very first set. Thank you so much for all your advice and for your card. It was so exciting listening to this podcast, though I've only heard one episode so far. I definitely will be tuning in for more. Hearing you talk about your struggles with call times, locations, and balancing your personal life has helped me realize I'm not alone in these matters. I'm just getting started as a background actor, so I want to say yes to multiple projects, but not knowing which side of Atlanta they'll be filming in until the day before is a bit tough. I hope we get to work together again, and next time I promise to bring you your food on the house. Thanks for the shout out. It gave me a great laugh. Sincerely, the flaky waitress Stephanie. It's Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. I just finished two days on The First Lady, also known as Flotus. And unbeknownst to me, I ended up being featured. So I thought I'd spend some time talking about what that means. Most of the time, background work is true to its name. You're in the background, and you may be seen, S-E-E-N, but you're not the focus of the scene, S-C-E-N-E. Sometimes you are. They call this a featured role. Sometimes you're not told in advance, but sometimes you are. This just happened to me, and I figured it out along the way. I have no idea how they pick background to play featured roles. I mean, there's no job interview. You submit photos and information about yourself just like everyone else does. So how on earth do they determine, based only on what you look like, whether you'll be able to pull it off? Maybe there's a secret database somewhere where casting directors track your work and production companies submit feedback on your work. For example, boy, that DJ really sucked on Red Notice. Do not hire him under any circumstances. Or conversely, DJ was a pleasure to work with. He takes direction well, incorporates feedback, and is a true leader. He's very quiet and reserved, but when it comes to acting, he easily steals the show. Someday he'll be a star, just not today. This was my second time on The First Lady. The schedule was testing on Wednesday and testing and fitting on Friday to film on Saturday. But when I fitted on Friday, that I, they said I was the White House usher. Singular, only one usher. And then Joe at Casting Taylor Made texted me later that day and practically begged me to come back on Monday because they wanted the same actor to play the usher for continuity. I was already booked on Powerpuff for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week, but decided that the Flotus role was definitely worth canceling Powerpuff on Monday. So I did. I left a nice voicemail for Brandy at Central Casting, but then accidentally hit the confirm button on an email they sent after this. And then she called yesterday and left a voicemail asking why I didn't show up. And I called her back to explain the situation. She wasn't mad or anything, but suggested that next time I keep trying until I get someone live versus just leaving a voicemail. So after a grueling day yesterday, I decided I was going to cancel Powerpuff on Tuesday and Wednesday as well and called and spoke to Hunter, who said, We already have you canceled. Interesting. So was that because of the original voicemail I left or the conversation I had with Brandy yesterday? I mean, I kind of figured they knew I wasn't coming because I never got a call time email on Sunday. Then today on their website, they had flagged me as a no-show for Monday. It's just like Hester Prince's Scarlet Letter, and that is the worst thing you can possibly do, just not show up. But I didn't, I swear. I wish Central had a more trackable way of canceling, like text or email, but they don't. So all I have as proof is the call record on my phone. I won't get into this now, but I worked a 16 and a half hour day on Flotus on Friday. 
Yesterday was only 14 hours. I got only five hours of sleep Saturday night and was actually dreading going back yesterday, but it turned out to be a much easier day. And I actually felt guilty leaving at 7.30 when most of the other background were still there filming. Let me elaborate on that a bit. I have warned against booking two jobs back to back for this reason. You have no idea and no control over how long the days are going to be. I need my sleep. So I always try to leave one to two days between jobs. I'll get back on track and tell you more about being featured after the break. In the initial scene we filmed on Saturday, I was merely standing behind Betty Ford and walked her into the building where people greeted her and took her coat before whisking her away. All of about 15 seconds for me. And there were tons of other people in the room and lots of dialogue. So this is not what featured means. I'll get to that in a moment. We spent eight to nine hours getting ready for just 90 minutes of shooting. I think that started at 8 p.m. Most of the background was then wrapped but I had heard the two Secret Service guys talking about Tyler Perry Studios and Rain, and it turned out to be true. They held 10 of us aside for more filming. Off to Tyler Perry Studios at 10 p.m. to film the outside of the same scene 40 miles away. The initial plan was to put us on a shuttle to get us out there, but thank goodness Ryan Pezdirk, otherwise known as Pez, the director for the day, realized how stupid this would have been and allowed us all to self-drive there so that we wouldn't have to come all the way back to Covington and then drive home. They gave us laminated placards for our dashboards, which no one collected at the end of the night. So now I have a free pass to get in there at any time. Did I mention they built a fake White House there? This exterior scene led up to the one we filmed inside. It's Betty Ford driving up in a 1960s car in the rain, getting out and running up the stairs. Except that I come out to help her get inside. And there are two Secret Service guys just standing outside the doors. Just four of us in the scene. Do you now know why that means I'm featured? There were literally just four of us in the scene. There was no dialogue. Michelle Pfeiffer was not driving the car and wasn't even there. They had a stunt woman. So for all intents and purposes, the scene was 75% background and 25% stunt people. And since you will clearly see all of us, we are considered featured. People kept calling the stunt woman Badger, but then someone called her Jennifer. I put two and two together and looked up Jennifer Badger on IMDb, and there she was. I know I covered fake versus real in another episode, but here's a new twist on it. A double level of fakeness. This stunt woman, Jennifer Badger, was pretending to be Michelle Pfeiffer, pretending to be Betty Ford. It was not Jennifer Badger pretending to be Betty Ford because Michelle was already doing that. Jennifer was just pretending to be Michelle. Same dress, coat, shoes, and hair, but she definitely had a different energy and movement about her. She was so overly concerned with not crashing into me that she pulled me aside and suggested I cut a much wider path when I got to the driveway to avoid any injury. She doesn't trust the brakes on these old cars and didn't want to drive into me. Maybe this happened to her in the past. She drove into someone and it's going to haunt her for life. Jennifer, if you're listening, it was a pleasure walking you up those stairs and mouthing right this way, Mrs. Ford. Although it was clear you knew exactly where to go and didn't need a stupid White House usher to get you there. I'll talk about notes after the break. This is how the directors communicate what they want from you. 
Let me talk about what notes are. Okay, so try to wrap your head around this. The director has a vision for what the scene should look like, but all he has is the English language and his body to communicate that to you with the hope that you'll both understand what they're telling you and that you'll be able to do it in less than 50 takes. So that's the challenge. Also, although a scene is roughed out when it starts, after practicing and filming it a few times, directors are constantly changing things as the scene evolves until they get it just the way they want it. And you have to change with them. After each take, they may come up and give you notes, which is basically feedback on how to change what you're doing and or how you're doing it. At first, I was told to walk down the stairs, land on the far side of the driveway in the port cochere, open her door, and escort her up the stairs. This proved to be too complicated and dangerous. We decided I wouldn't open her door. Then they decided I wouldn't even get to the car. Instead, just make it halfway down the stairs and meet her when she's halfway up. And don't run, just walk. Then pantomime right this way, Mrs. Ford, and motion with your hands. By 2 a.m., they sensed my energy was lacking and asked me to be peppier because you're really excited that she's here. I wish they had said this up front since I wasn't really thinking of my emotional state. Wasn't I just doing my robotic job? And then Nick decided I shouldn't even motion with my hands. I should just show intent with my body. That was a bit weird. Plus, there was a set of glass doors outside the wooden doors, and those were a problem. Initially, I was supposed to open the door for her, but how could I do that if I was behind her? We ended up having Shane, one of the Secret Service guys, open the door but it was still my job to shut up behind us. Although I had no idea if it was actually closing because it had a tendency to pop open and I couldn't turn around to watch it. It also kept flying open due to strong winds and the gum someone used to keep it shut wasn't strong enough. Luckily, the inner wooden door was already open and didn't need to move. When we did subsequent shots from different places, we had to remember exactly which doors were open and when, but Cindy had footage on her iPad as the source of truth. It finally all came together, but I have to tell you, the pressure was on. You can't just schlub your way through this. Yes, I know your background, and when you're featured, you are the star of the scene, and it's your chance to show everyone what you're made of. Maybe I'm just dreaming all of this, but I think they like me, and I'm going back for two more days this week. The second day of filming yesterday was uncomfortable, but not because I was being featured, because they kept changing Michelle Pfeiffer's lines, and I could feel how stressed out she was. This was similar to the first indoor scene we did, but this time we ushers were facing her at a 45 degree angle just outside the doors before she enters. We opened the doors on action, and then close them once she's passed through. If you think it's awkward to be standing a foot behind her, it's even more awkward to be facing her just 12 inches away. I don't know about you, but having someone in my personal space drives me nuts. That's probably why she just kept her head down the whole time. She stood there repeating her lines quietly so she wouldn't mess them up. They kept inserting and changing lines, and she only had a minute or two to memorize the changes. We certainly didn't want to distract her. At one point, she looked up and winked at the other usher, and I saw it, and he smiled back at her. She finally glanced over at me on one of the final takes, which was both endearing but long overdue. The steady cam guy was so close to us that I could clearly see we were in the frame that starts this scene. Let's hope I make it in. So that's what notes are, basically feedback from the director.
Her fake rain and car driving made filming more complex. There was a big safety meeting before the rain started. Desmond came running over to get us because they wanted us to participate in it. I listened to a woman talk about the big crane-like machine that shoots water and runs out after two and a half minutes, but I failed to see any danger in the process. There was no safety meeting about the 1960s Rambler station wagon and how that could run someone over, like me. The wipers weren't working as planned, and a host of mechanics showed up to try to fix them. At one point, after jury rigging them, I think the plan was to have Jennifer pulling on a wire to keep them going while she was driving, or have a person crouch down in the driver's seat doing something similar. For the final shots filmed from within the car, they switched to a blue car whose wipers did work. No one would know because it was really just a shot of the back of her head. Altogether, it took four and a half hours to get three shots of the scene. A wide shot from a distance, one much closer so that you could see into the White House, and the final from within the car. I made new friends as usual, a grandmother who had just moved here from Charleston to be closer to her grandchildren. It was her first background job. These BG versions are everywhere. I met her in the lunch line and immediately told her about this podcast. I gave her both of my business cards, acting and real estate. A few minutes later, I wondered if someone her age even knew what a podcast was. Oh well, you can't just make assumptions, now can you? I never got her name and wanted to pop over later, but she was so busy chatting with her new old lady friends that I didn't want to intrude. Seeing these people dressed up in 1970s gear played a time warp on my brain. They were not old back then, but in this environment, they looked like they were plucked from that era. It's fascinating to see how people connect with each other on these shows and how complete strangers find things in common that they use to drift into and out of conversations. In the end, it was the physical manifestation of ghosting someone online. We talked nonstop for 10 minutes, and then we never spoke again. On the second day, I met a fascinating makeup woman named Julie, who told me about how she took her 14-year-old daughter's cell phone away to try to teach her how to live a real life outside of social media, and it's working. Once again, my beard was saved, but just darkened a little. But the makeup woman this time did a very different job on my hair, slicking it back and using tons of hairspray. I love how it came out. On day one, my alterations took two hours. I have the most boring outfit, a blue blazer, off-white shirt, red tie, gray baggy pants, and black wingtips. The wardrobe guy was a trip and kept joking at how much of a problem I was. I joked back, I'm not going to get injured today, right? There isn't going to be an insurrection. And then I realized that 20 years from now, someone will be making a movie about January 6, 2021. And this guy might be fitting a person playing a White House usher. His answer to my question will be different. Wardrobe sent me to hair and makeup while we waited for my clothes. But hair refused to do my hair because the t-shirt I was wearing would mess it up when I pulled it over my head. So back to wardrobe to solve the problem. They gave me a white t-shirt to wear, which I would then keep on under my clothing, but I didn't quite get it the first time around. How would this t-shirt be any different than the black one I was wearing? And then she had to explain for the fifth time that I would not be taking this one off. And hair, after hair did my hair, copy that. I understood. My finger splint was an issue for the first time. The plan was for us to open pocket doors to let Betty Ford through. I was standing on the right of the doorway with my back against the wall, which meant using my right hand to pull it open. Well, that wasn't going to work because that's the hand with the splint. 
A few minutes later, they moved me to the front door so I could escort Betty into the room instead. All I had to do with that hand was make a fist to hide the splint. Meanwhile, Ashley from Wardrobe removed my white ace bandage and replaced it with flesh tone band-aids. Finally, the rapid COVID tests are not rapid at all. On the first day, I sat in my car for an hour waiting for the results. Yesterday, it took three hours to get them. No wonder it takes eight hours to get all these people ready to shoot a scene. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Just one other thing. I know I originally said Usher as in just one, but on both days, there was a change of plans and they took this other guy and changed him out of his clothing to make him an Usher as well. He has crazy long hair, so they had to put it up and throw a really bad wig on him. So bad that on the first day, the head of wardrobe looked at it and sent him back to hair to have it fixed. It's kind of reddish, the same color as Betty Ford's in her early years. The head of wardrobe is a tall, lanky woman with short white hair and a strong accent that sounds Swedish or German. The director also sounds German and is quite harsh in the way she talks. As long as she doesn't bark at me, I'm okay with that. But poor Michelle Pfeiffer, how do you give suggestions for improving a scene when the director sounds so nasty? Second, having the nickname DJ isn't actually much better than going by my real name, Demetrius. The first day there, the PA checking us in was named Dimitri. He spells his name with all eyes. So imagine how annoying it is when people yell, Dimitri, and my head automatically turns. Or worse, having Alex and Nick call me TJ, as in Tom Jackson, instead of DJ and having to correct them. The letters D, P, and T shouldn't all be allowed in the English alphabet because they all sound the same. Third, I did not mention the scanning process. Some productions will create digital 3D versions of you for various reasons. I've had this done a few times. You stand in an awkward position while someone takes pictures of you up against a green screen. But Flotus was a million times more sophisticated. They hired a company whose name escapes me. It was a large trailer thing parked in the lot. You went inside and stood on a small platform that then raised you up about a foot. Then you looked at a monitor that had an orange box around your face and two green boxes around your hands. You had to hold your arms out, bend your elbows, and face your palms backwards so that you were making two upside-down L's with your arms. And make sure your face and hands appeared in the boxes on the monitor. 
Then they pressed a button and 120 Canon digital SLRs concurrently each took a photo of you. I have no idea how they use these, but it raises the fear that someday there will be no real actors, just digital images manipulated to do what the director wants. It's similar to tiling, which is when they take a small number of people and make them look like a much bigger crowd by moving them around repeatedly and filming them in each location. We did this for hours at the Infinite Energy Center for respect to make the arena look full. The same was done for the protesters in the Tomorrow War. I'm not sure what's causing the incredible tumultuous activity in casting right now, but yesterday was no exception. I was supposed to body double on Doom Patrol today. I booked this while working Flotus on Monday. Yesterday, three things happened. I drove to Conyers at 7 a.m. for a COVID test. Then Alyssa from Central called to see if I could maybe also be a hand double as well. That's basically when they film your hands instead of the real actors. I explained my splint situation, which alarmed her because how could I be a body double if I had a splint on my right index finger? I assured her that it hadn't been an issue on any other filming over the past few months and said I could just take it off. She still wanted me to upload photos of my hands to my profile on their website, which I later did. They came out awful. I have really bad, stubby gorilla hands, and the finger that's in a splint looks all nasty right now with wet and rumpled skin on it. A few hours later, Brandy called to say the schedule had changed and they no longer needed me. They would still pay me $75 for the COVID test. Yay! Remember how I joked about how you could make a lot of money just getting COVID tests, but not actually filming? This has happened to me twice recently. The molar of the story is to get your COVID test as soon as possible, because if they cancel your gig after this, you still get paid for it. Within minutes, I got three more texts from Central Casting. One for the resident, one for Clover, and one for a different role on Doom Patrol, none of which work with my schedule. Here's a hint as to what's happening for me over the next two weeks. T.W.D. Season 12. It's Saturday, April 24th, 2021. I'm sitting in the parking lot of Sinhalese Studios in Covington, Georgia, working my second consecutive day here on The First Lady. And it is a swampy mess. I've never worked in the rain before, but it is pouring out. And if you haven't done this before, you're probably not aware that when you're at a studio, like you're not working in a single building, you're working in a bunch of different buildings and there's a lot of walking across parking lots to get between the buildings and to get to trailers in the parking lot. And the drainage here is bad. Um, I just parked outside of mill one because I had to use the restroom. Uh, there is a four banger parked between mill one and mill two. And um, of course my feet are soaked now sitting here waiting for probably at least an hour for my rapid COVID test. Um, we'll see what happens. So I will check in later. And I'm also gonna test out using Anchor to um, interview somebody else by sending them a text message and having them join the recording from their phone, uh, even though we are not in the same room. So we'll try that out with Kaylee uh, later this morning. Check in with you soon. Today is Saturday, 
April 24th, 2021, I just discovered this morning that somebody on April 16 actually wrote a review of my podcast, the first one I've gotten. So I wanted to share that with my listeners. It's from someone called Tig Ben, and he gave me five stars, and it's titled, Great Advice and Humor! Exclamation point. And I quote, DJ's The Background Scoop podcast is enlightening, funny, entertaining, and thought-provoking, all wrapped up in to around 30 minute long episodes if you're looking for inside tips about what being a background actor is really like along with some personal stories and jokes i'd say this podcast is the way to go exclamation point thanks again tigman uh hopefully others will feel the same and write similar reviews um just wanted to share that with my listeners it's my first it's very exciting and i really appreciate the feedback so thanks again I just love, love, love mid-morning call times. Why? Having a super early call time messes with your schedule. If you have to be somewhere at 5 or 6 a.m., you're getting up at least at 4 a.m., which is not normal for me, and maybe earlier if you have to drive somewhere or you're a woman who has to do something with her hair before arriving. Conversely, having a late day call time, such as 5 or 6 p.m., is just as bad. You have a 12 to 14 hour day looming over you all day, and it probably means you'll be working well into the night, if not the next morning, which totally ruins that day. But midday is great, around 10 or 11 or 12 or 1 p.m. Why? One, I can get up at my normal time of 6 a.m. Two, I can go to the gym. Three, I can stop in at the office if needed and or do my real estate daily work from home. Four, I can probably eat lunch and have my midday coffee before leaving the house. And five, I can bring my dog to daycare that day instead of boarding her the night before. I met Tom Janke from Augusta. He's a professional golf caddy who plans to become a real estate agent. Kaylee was there as well. We sat around for 11 and a half hours and never got filmed. It was the penultimate shooting day for the season. That means next to last. Susan, an older woman who had been there before but not used, and Jay, one of the PAs who has a fascinating other life outside of his PA jobs, including a video podcast. He told me all about the equipment I should buy to get better sound for mine. He goes by Jay, but his full name is Jared, which he hates because, and I quote, I'm a black guy and it's not a black name, end quote. Someone over a year ago suggested I record my real estate podcast episodes as videos as well. And now that I'm well-versed or at least better versed at the video side, I just may do this. Day three was a bust, almost 12 hours, and we never got used. Beware, just because you're hired and you go through wardrobe, hair, and makeup, there is no guarantee that you'll be used in any of the scenes. You still get paid, of course, but it's a bit disappointing. Yesterday, someone told me a story about a woman who literally cried at the end of her first day because she was never used and took it personally. Don't be that person. It's not personal, so don't let your emotions get the best of you. Go into each day knowing full well that you may or may not be used, and if you are used, then it will exceed the unbelievably low expectations that you set for the day. And that's how you come out on top every time. Day four was nothing to write home about either. In at 9.30 in the pouring rain, we did some research on Ozzy Aru, A-R-E-U, who Tom believed was the owner of Sinhalese Studios, but that turned out to be false. Instead, he owns Aru Brothers Studios, which is the first major Latino-owned and operated media studio in the United States. Tom is a friend of a friend. 
We filmed with Aaron Eckhart one small scene in the morning. The director, Suzanne Beer, climbed in her little tent and shouted at orders as one of the ADs read lines for Aaron to respond to. I'm taking an official break after the next two weeks. My 13-year-old dog is having issues with her legs and her boarding facility feels it's best if she stays home and has someone else provide in-home care. Kind of like an old person who doesn't want to be in a nursing home, but gets a home health care worker instead. Here's a recap of this episode's key messages. One, being featured means you're clearly visible in the scene. You may even see your name appear in the credits with something like, quote, White House Usher, unquote, next to it. Two, I don't know how they select a background actor to be featured, but if you are, it's a great opportunity to be in the spotlight. Do your very best to do exactly what they ask, and if they see that you're doing it well, it could lead to bigger and better things. Three, when they give you feedback on what to do and how to do it, these are called notes. It's a nice way of them telling you that either you're not doing it right or that they've changed what they want you to do. Or both. Communicating exactly what they want from you is a challenge, and when you get it right, it's like magic. Four, don't get discouraged or take it personally if you don't get used. You can spend lots of time in wardrobe, hair, and makeup before sitting around for 14 hours talking to people, eating multiple meals, and climbing in the walls before they wrap you for the day. You'll still get paid, but there'll be nothing to write home about. Five, you may be digitally scanned by the production company for their use in making the show or movie, so don't be surprised if you're asked to pose for the digitization process or if you show up somewhere digitally down the road. You probably agree to this somewhere in writing. Six, try not to schedule two consecutive days on projects because you don't know when the first will end nor when the second will begin. Seven, don't go into each day expecting to be used because you may not be. Always plan for the worst since whatever happens will likely be better than that. And bring lots of things to keep you busy so that if you get tired of talking to people, you can just go sit in a corner by yourself and pass the time however you want. And finally, I had two complete strangers run up to me this week to tell me I looked like Ulysses S. Grant. And then they asked me if my real beard was fake. That was enough to get me to Google him and make a pick stitch of us side by side so that I could show everyone that I was now qualified to play an American military leader who also served as President of the United States from 1869 to 1877. How ironic for this to happen in the context of filming The First Lady. I could someday be the first man. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of The Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG roles of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out. And if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.